Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. Psalm 100 we're going to look at today. Now this is a a, a short, concise psalm, yet it teaches us three crucial steps, okay? So John, if you want to put that psalm up, I'll read it to you. Actually, why don't we read it together? We're going to get so radical today, you're not going to believe this. Let's read it together. Shout for the joy, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, and enter his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, and praise his name. For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Isn't that beautiful? So there's going to be three crucial steps in this psalm. What is the purpose of this psalm? It's a psalm that wants to beckon us into his presence to worship him. Seems so simple, doesn't it? And yet, I don't know about you, if you're like me, I find real true... I can sing songs, as long as there's other people around so that you can't hear my voice, but I can sing songs, but... What's real worship? That's what we're going to be talking about. What is real worship? So one of my favourite hymns, which was the hymn that was used at Charles's coronation, is called Be Thou My Vision. You all know that great hymn, don't you? Very powerful words. And again, it was sung at Charles's coronation, so that meant thousands of people were singing it on the day. And Look at these words. Let me read this to you. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Naught be all else to me except you only, is what that is in original English. You are my, you be my best thoughts day and night, waking or sleeping, your presence my light. That's a song all about putting God, Jesus, as number one. And yet this was sung at Charles's coronation. Apparently it's one of Charles's favourite hymns sung by thousands and I wonder if people were actually looking at the the words and thinking wow or were they just singing the song because if you're like me well maybe you're not as old as me but some of you are but you'll have uh, gone through the 80s maybe with pop music and sung all sorts of songs and all sorts of uh, music and heard all sorts of of things and and, actually never realised what the song is about. (laughs) Is that you? You know a great great, uh, ditty, but you haven't actually concentrated on the words. But in this Psalm 100, we haven't got that many words, but what we have in verse 3 are the keys to how we truly worship, okay? So we're going to be looking at this in three points. How do we truly worship? Well, the writer of the psalm says that we should know that the Lord is God. We should realise that he made us and that we should realise he loves us. Okay, so three points. Know that the Lord is God, realise he made us 
And the most important one, realize he loves us. So know that the Lord is God. So what does it mean for us to know God? How can you tell anyone to know God? Get to know God. So we were made in his image. And the way that we come to know him is relational. Okay? How? How can it be relational with the great I am? Well, one thing I've learned over the years is the fact that I didn't seek after him when I came to become a Christian. It was actually him seeking me out. And that was groundbreaking. I thought I was on the search for God. (laughs) Far from it. I was dead in my sin. He came seeking out for me. And once he found me or brought me up from the dead, he filled me with his spirit so that I can relate to him. And suddenly, and I remember these days, many, many years ago at work, I would read the Bible and it would be alive to me. I remember as a little boy, on the odd occasion I would pick a Bible up, I would read it and think, oh, I don't understand, I don't, this is, this is just not what I want to read. And yet when I was full of the Spirit, when I became a Christian, I picked the Bible up and it was alive to me. I couldn't put it down. I would read entire books of the Bible like Romans while I was at work. Which is why I didn't make very much money in those days. But we pray and then we start to recognize his voice. And the church, instead of a place of sometimes being stand up, sit down, as maybe you've had in the past, it becomes a place where you can meet him together, corporately. It's exciting. But the issue, I think you'd agree, in our era today, in our society, is we live in a culture that is very individualistic, certainly in the West. So the individual, me, you, are king. We are king. So our relationships, our friendships, our partners, we choose them more like a business relationship. Okay, so let just give you an example. So my favorite supermarket, you'll be interested to hear, used to be Little. Okay, okay you'll love the smell of the place as you walk in when they're baking bread. Uh, I love the selection and stuff like that. But then, you know, I gave my heart to Little, basically. And I had the app on my phone, which is great. Little discounts here and there, really good. But something came in between my relationship between myself and Little, and that was called Aldi. Because I walked into Aldi and I found out the quality of the yogurts and the quality of the crisps, Claire Wisdom. Honestly, seriously, it blew little out of the water so much so I broke my relationship with little and I've never been in since I'm Aldi all the way but the funny thing is we can be like that with God you know we can be like with that with God if God doesn't meet our needs on certain things certain areas in our lives we can say Lord I, I I've given you my life and I thought you were going to do such and such, and it doesn't seem to be going the way I want it to go. And you pull back, and I've done this. You pull back and go cold on him. And our culture does this in marriage too. So we choose a partner for what that partner can give to us. We purposely choose someone who maybe fits us and fits the way that we do life and what that person can bring to us. And so when times are tough in your marriage, you start to think, actually, don't like this anymore. (laughs) You know, you think, maybe I'll look for somebody else. 
which is a remarkable thing. But this is the culture that we live in where divorce rates are through the roof, even in the church. And we say, Lord, yeah, save me, put me together, put my life back together, heal me, do all these things. And he is so merciful and he does that, doesn't he? But what happens when the rubber hits the road? See, we can invite God into our lives, similar to like a new appliance in your house, okay? So you can get yourself a new dishwasher or something like that, and you can love it and think, wow, that's just doing a great job of the dishes, but it's got a particular job. Does God have a particular job in your life, but he's not allowed to do anything else? You start to lose your cool if he starts to go into something else in your life, some other area, some other way that you think. And you're thinking, Lord, I didn't really invite you into this area. Just stay in that area, just like the dishwasher. So he has a certain job and you don't want him to do more than that. But the real time that you know the Lord, and I've found this in the last six or seven years is not in everyday life yes everyday life is important with the Lord of course it is but actually what I found to be the most precious times with the Lord when you get to know him the most is through trouble and trial troubles are the things that you suddenly find out that this God is great this God is awesome you find him to be close dependable and loving and a true friend What a mighty God. You begin to realize how great he is. And as you read the Bible, you realize the one who lives in you is the same one who spoke the universe into place. He's the humble one. He never forces his love upon you. His light is brighter than the sun, and yet he whispers to us. Have you realized who we belong to? So let's not limit our thoughts on who he is. He is the great I am. He is the one that we believe in. He's the one who can fill us with his spirit. Do you believe in him today? I want to put that out today. Do you believe in this great God today? We can truly praise him when we know who he is. And you can get to know him through the word and you can get to know him through joining a home group and having Christian friends and all these things, and that's wonderful. But we've got to know him if we're going to praise him. You can't really praise a God you don't know. Yes, you can sing songs like we do, but when you really get to know him, you really start to praise him. So number two, realize he made us. Okay, so the first one is realize, know who he is. And now we're going to talk about realize he made us. So we need to know God first. Now, something I've learned recently is that Google can be actually really helpful in more than many places. Okay, so one thing I've learned recently is with any tiny issue with my car, I don't get many because it's uh, South Korean. um, But um, you type in the make of the car, type in the model, type in the year and the issue that you've got, whether it's a creak or something uh, not working correctly and you'll be guided to a forum where people are talking about this very issue it's it's unbelievably good anybody else found that right great I'm so I'm teaching you today aren't I isn't it good you can you can learn all sorts of things but how is this possible 
Well, the wonderful thing is, is that these, each of these cars, as you know, is made on an assembly line, okay? So behind each and every model of car is a designer, behind a computer, a creator, would you say, behind each model. And depending on the environment you drive your car in, your car will pretty much behave the same as the other one that's exactly the same, as long as you're not driving in freezing conditions or red-hot conditions. And the same faults, the same weaknesses will show up. And I was thinking about this and thinking this is actually similar to us as humans. In Genesis 1 to 3, it explains that God made us in his image. And over Adam and Eve, he said that we were very good. He said over creation that it was good, but over us, he said we were very good. And he placed them, as you know, in a beautiful place to rule and to reign, but with just one boundary. And we know about this, don't we? And we know that the enemy came in and focused on that boundary that God had put in, a good boundary. But the enemy changed that boundary to be an area where they could distrust God. He brought in a lie. And as we know, Adam and Eve fell for that. And mankind fell with a massive fall, didn't they? They chose independence. They lost their covering. And as a result, Genesis says they felt naked, they hid, and they were afraid. Genesis 3 verse 7 says they realized that they were naked and it's not just nakedness, it was actually nakedness where they, the eyes of God, they, could, they recognized, they, they, they just couldn't match up to the holy God anymore. So they covered themselves with fig leaves. So I want to put forward that we have been doing this ever since. So I want us to think about this. We've been doing this ever since, hiding and covering ourselves in a variety of ways. So just as that car that I explained was designed by someone on a computer, we've also been created. But by the fall, we've all started to generate certain traits and certain coverings because of our sin. So some years ago, I started to sense that God was starting to whisper to me uh, in an interesting way. So he would see... And it would be stuff I'd be listening to as well. So God can speak through many ways, as you know. And he was starting to whisper to me about the way I behaved in life and the way that I even thought about situations in life. So questions would come up such as, why do you react in a certain way in that situation? Why do you get embarrassed in that situation? Why does this cause a trigger to go off? Okay. So the Holy Spirit is a perfect psychoanalyst, isn't he? He's the one who knows you better than you know yourself. And he wasn't asking me those questions so that he could know. He wanted me to know why I ticked like I did. Because he wanted me to know myself. So I began to take notice. It's, it's great when you start to listen to the Lord and then do what he says. So I started to take notice. Yeah, why do I behave like I do? Why even do I think like I do in certain situations? Because I take Victoria, she doesn't do what I do. She's got her own way of doing things. And I found that some of my triggers, 
and I love being open with you guys. Some of my triggers were to do with my finances. Is that anybody in here? Nobody. Excellent. <laughs> so you've all got your bank account obviously sorted out and you're happy with it. That's great, but not me. So running my own business, I never know, and Jake Woodward would agree with me, you never know what's coming in month on month and you think about when you, you know all these, all these, these costs and, and the things that you've got to pay for and you're never sure whether it's going to match up. And I've been doing it so long that uh, there's a certain amount in my bank um, of which I, I, I'm happy with. And I think, yes, no, this is, this is a good amount. And, and I'll be in a good mood as long as my bank account is about there. But if my bank account starts to drop a little, I start to get in a bad mood and go a little bit grumpy, okay? I'm being honest with you now. And it's, it's not great. And what does it show me? And this is what the Holy Spirit was doing. It shows me that I'm a control freak. It shows me that I, I'm in control of my finances. And when my business was doing well, oh, Vic, you're the greatest wife in the world. Everything's good. It's all, all, life is out. The sun is shining when my business is doing well. My business is doing bad. And what am I going to do? This is why I've not got much hair. I've pulled loads of it out. And even to the point of my running, okay, which is a strange thing. But when my running was going well, I would be in a great mood. So I'd do a, like a park run on a Saturday morning, which is bizarre. And if I got a good time, I'd come back to Victoria in the afternoon and be happy as Larry. But I'd only notice it month on month and think, my goodness, am I tied into that kind of strange performance over something so pointless? See, this is what we do. I think you do it too if you think about it in different ways. We take good things such as supplying for our families, making money. We take a good thing and we make it into an ultimate thing. It's good to have a good business that provides money, Yes, but what I did was take it to another level and saying, okay, we've got to control this to make sure it continues to provide in the right way. I was in control. Think about yourselves right now. Just allow Holy Spirit to maybe whisper to you. Maybe he's going to put his finger on something this morning. Maybe a few things like he's done with me over the time. Maybe he's going to put his finger on it and say, hey, you're, you're in control of this area. I want you to hand this back to me. Because all of these things, just like Adam and Eve and what they did, they are fig leaves. Okay? So my fig leaf, my biggest fig leaf, and it's the same with Abigail apparently as I chat to my eldest daughter, she's got the same fig leaf, is control of finances. It covers our stain. Our stain from sin is insecurity before God. So why are celebrities, and I hear more and more famous people, people we know, everyday people in this country who seem to be suddenly unable to maintain their status. Famous people. And you think, wow, that person would never fall. But then suddenly, bang, it's on the news. That person has fallen from grace. And you're like, what happened? Is it that they, in their everyday life, had fig, a fig leaf covering their stain and then one day that stain, that fig leaf slipped and they were exposed to the world and suddenly it's like, wow, I never thought that. Aren't we all covering ourselves with fig leaves? 
How are you portraying yourself today? This is, this is deep stuff, isn't it? It's like we're all at the shrink. But this is actually good stuff. I think it's very beneficial for us to look at ourselves like this or allow the Holy Spirit to analyze us. How are we portraying ourselves? Because we all are, if you're honest with ourselves, how we are portraying ourselves to our friends, even our husband, wife, partner, to our families. You know, we can look at maybe a drug drug addict or uh, an alcoholic and feel great sadness. But I want to put forward that we're all addicts. I know it's shocking to say that, but we've all got stuff that we cannot live without. And if maybe your world was shaking this afternoon and something that you held highly was taken away, how would you be? Now, obviously, you know, there's great upset when you lose something, but I'm talking about super upset, something where it's way beyond and it shows you that that thing is a fig leaf. It's an idol because we were not made for this. And what we long for, really long for, which is why we use fig leaves, is the words, I love you. This is why we cover ourselves up. We are looking for a well done over our lives. Yeah, I think that's true. You know, I, a long time ago, back in the mid 80s, you know, I used to run for for. Cheshire as a county and I got to number two in the county in a certain distance at number two in the country for a certain distance and my whole life I was uh, only 14 15 my whole life was this is me this is my goal this is what I'm going to do with my life and then I got injured and suddenly which is a, a prime example of a fig leaf even at that age suddenly my life fell apart I was like but this was my goal and it's now been taken and there was no way forward. And so I, I, I felt exposed. And it's only now I realized what was going on. Obviously, at that age, I didn't recognize it. I was so lost, I then had to change it and cover myself with another fig leaf, which was heavy part partying, craziness, just wild partying. But it was another fig leaf. So I had the fig leaf of possible fame in athletics. That failed me, that slipped, so I changed it to a different fig leaf of partying and craziness, which was bizarre. But that's how we tick as humans. I want to ask you what you're covering yourself with today. Is it even being such a great thing as being a great parent? You know, that that's where you'll put your store is in being a great parent. That your children will go to university and make, and ultimately it's about you. What about a great, great husband, a great wife? These are good things, but they can be taken to be ultimate things. What good thing have you taken to be an ultimate thing today? So as we get to know the Lord better, as we learned in the first point, we will worship him more. And as we realize he made us, and as we see them go back to our original design, we'll praise him in a greater way. So what I found is the Lord has just kind of analyzed me and exposed my thinking and my thoughts. I found, oh, Lord, and it's caused me to lean on him and rely on him and praise him more. And this is what we're after, isn't it? I know it's painful, but this is truly, I believe, what you're after too. But where does a real change come from? Okay. 
if we really need fig leaves, if we, if we believe we really need these things, what is the real answer? So we're going to look at the last point, which is to realize he loves us. Okay, this is where the great healing takes place. So it, it's this realization that sets us free. Do you realize that we are all damaged goods? We were built for God, yet we hide and we cover up from him. We look for love in all of the wrong places. And it's only as we realize his love for us that we can gain eyesight. So again, going back to verse 3, it says these wonderful words. It says, we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Isn't that a great picture? If you've ever been in a field walking and there's been sheep there, you know what happens. They don't hang around, do they? As you walk, they scatter. Yet if you've ever been to Wales and seen the farmers or shepherds, you'll see real people who don't drive the sheep, but lead the sheep. And it's incredible that sheep will actually follow them. But if someone goes behind them, they'll scatter. It's a great picture. And this is how the Lord our God wants to be with us. He wants to lead us. He doesn't want to drive us. And if we're all honest, why do we create a persona to our friends and to the closest ones around us? Again, as as I've said, we attempt to cover our stain with specialist fig leaves. But really, it's a desire for acceptance and intimacy. But Jesus, in his deep love, knew this. He knew what would happen in the fall. And he has already made the cure for this, for our condition. So what is the cure for our sickness? Why do we do what we do? And what has the Lord done about it? So when Jesus set his face to the cross, he experienced the shame in our place. He was the one who was stripped naked. He was the one who was exposed. He was the one who was spat upon and mocked. His robe was taken from him. You know, it wasn't that normal that uh, criminals were, ex- were placed on a cross naked. But Jesus was. They really wanted to humiliate him. And no longer was the father's faith, face of affirmation upon him, but the father turned his face away. Galatians 3 verse 13 says these words, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Isn't that amazing? Christ redeemed us from the curse by becoming a curse. I mean, that's a stunning, stunning verse, isn't it? He became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. So whoever looks to Jesus for their rescue will be saved. I want to ask you a question today. Have you looked to him as your saviour? Do you just come to church and sing the songs, but actually, as we said at the start, those words don't necessarily penetrate your heart. They go into your head and you know the songs, but actually the words of the songs haven't sunk down into your spirit. This is what God wants to do with all of us. 
Do you know this? He was stripped naked so that you can be covered. Your stain can be cleansed. He was mocked and shamed so that we can be accepted fully. Can you see what happened? It was a divine exchange that the Lord took upon the weight of sin that you can be set free. His his righteousness came to you. Your sin went on him. He was exposed. And this is all by grace. It's not because of any good you have done. And this is something I struggled with as, as a new believer. I used to think, well, I was special. I was special. I was chosen because I was a little bit nicer maybe than somebody else. But it's just not true. It's sheer grace. Sheer, sheer grace. He he chose us because he loves us. He loves us. He went under the sword so that we could be welcomed back in. And this is truly what changes us. This is when we will not feel the desire to use fig leaves. Do you know? This is when we start to understand this. And how can we? We can can read, obviously, the passion of Christ in the the Bible. We can read it in, in all of the Gospels. We can read it in the Old Testament, too. We can read Isaiah about how much he loves us, what he's done for us. Read it. Soak it into your soul. Sing about it while you're at home or driving. Soak it in. Listen to it taught in many, many different ways. And what you will find you will find that those fig leaves start to drop and you don't mind because you find out you're covered by him himself. Begin today. And I'm not going to say that it's going to take a day or two. This is a lifetime. But it is a good process to begin today. You start by accepting him. And if you haven't accepted him into your life, please do that and talk to one of us after. But after that, you will start to hear, start to hear the divine clap over your life, that you are fully accepted. You'll start to hear that you are my beloved son or daughter. And this is what we want in our deep within us. We want those words. Why do we do what we do? Because we are yearning for acceptance. And the only true acceptance is from him and him alone. Do you know that today? You know, I used to know a guy who was so, so successful in business. He made it, and he made it, in inverted commas. He became a multimillionaire, and he had everything. And he, as I spoke to him about Christ, um, he mocked me and said, wow, yo, just what you're doing you used to be so much fun. Why are you doing this? And, 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 and this is craziness. It doesn't mean anything. His eyes were truly shut to the truth. And when he came to, he got basically got let off from his work. Um, and he, but he, he'd had plenty of, of money to, to carry on. So he, he could have retired at that point, And he was only early 40s. Basically, he, he, he couldn't, he just couldn't, he couldn't stop. He had to then find another job, which was equally as well paid, because he was driven from within, driven to prove that he was successful. And it's all fig leaves. It's all fig leaves. I want to ask you today, do you love him today? 
I want you to just close your eyes. I'm just going to read one verse to you, which is a particular favourite of mine. Goodness, I need a lighter Bible. It's nearly weighing this thing down. Okay. This is 1 Peter 1, verses 8 and 9. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Aren't those great words? For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls.